Magbabalik ang 5 minutes lang with season 2. Mas exciting, mas nakakakilig at mas inspiring. Hi everyone, this is Bianca Gonzalez. Hi everyone, I'm Joel. Hello, I'm Francisca Batuando. At marami pang iba. Let's talk about dating, growing your career, and everything in between. Five minutes long, where we learn how to navigate life from people who've cracked the code. Available soon on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or kung saan kaman puma podcast. Hi, I'm Kat Ventura, the producer of A Better Normal. What you're about to hear are the best bits from our very first Q&A in early June. It's a follow-up to our first episode on fixing the bus and jeep system for Metro Manila where we interviewed Benji De La Peña, an urban mobility expert. You can catch the entire Q&A on our Facebook page at PumaPodcastPH. Now, on to the podcast. Ako po si Robby Alampay on behalf of Puma Podcast and Asia Society Philippines Executive Director Joy Flavier Alampay. Welcome! By now, a majority of us have realized and accepted that things will never be the same again. But here at Puma Podcast and with Asia Society, we see, as Benji says, this crisis as an opportunity. Instead of bringing back the way things used to be, we, we might as well, build for a better normal. Benji proposed that government rent or pay for all of NCR's 8,000 buses and 55,000 jeepneys for 90 days during the ECQ or after or now under the GCQ and for that matter forever and hopefully that will upend the entire dysfunctional business model on which our mass transport systems had long ago been built and since broken down. Denji de la Peña, welcome. Magandang maga po. Let's go straight into the Q&A. We have a guest, uh, Attorney uh, Zona Tamayo of the LTFRB. First of all, conceptually, itong pinag-uusapan natin na service contracting, this is not a new concept to the LTFRB either, is it? Gano kalayo yung realidad natin sa pinopropose ni Benji? Is it a new concept? It's not. Because um, the service contracting that uh, Sir Benji has been discussing, in fact, even prior to today's uh, discussion, uh, he's been introducing this uh, in several other uh, events that we had. Service contracting is somehow similar to what we have now as in shuttle service. Mm. Because shuttle service that we have, it's a contract between the transport provider that has uh, an existing franchise with us, LTFRB, and a private entity, say a company. Parang ganun yung concept. But the service contracting that we're discussing right now is a, a shuttle contract taking into a bigger scale. Kasi mamagiging mas marami nang isiserve. Um, right now po, starting yesterday, if you could see, we have um, yung, yung the bus routes na along EDSA. So, on the part of the OTR and LTFRB, we already had that route rationalization, at least in terms of um the public transport buses that will have uh, that started running yesterday so alam din po to ni yan sir benji on the route rationalization particularly in trying to decongest edsa okay benji ang worry ko na we might be stuffing too many things yung route rationalization at the same time that we're trying to restart the economy so ang ang difference ko with uh with DOTR is 
unahin natin yung service contract contracting at least now na transitional. In fact, my proposal mm-hmm. is my transitional, tapos my permanent. So in transitional, the two most important things is prevent transmission of COVID-19 through public transportation because of potential overcrowding. Kaya pag nag-service contracting ka, di walang temptation yung driver and operator na mag-overload or to have more than that's prescribed. Second mm. is to have uh, adequate public transportation running. Nakita niyo yung mm. since today and yesterday, uh, daming tao, kawawa naman, naghihintay ng tatlong oras, naglakad ng tatlong oras to try to get to work because yeah. their workplaces said, oh, you have to go come back to work na and on mm. your own, tapos walang available transportation. of passengers endure the heat, long queues, and limited transportation options as Metro Manila transitioned to general community quarantine today. Sana naman po, kung magpapapasok kayo, sana may sasakyan para hindi kami ganito nakakagulo. So yung proposal ko is, lahat ng may franchise ngayon, i-service contract na natin very, very quickly and then use the time to transition to the other elements of modernization that uh, the OTR is interested in. So what you're saying is, Let's start with the business model, and then let's talk about everything else also as related, but in fact, separate. Yeah, no, connected yun eh. Kasi if you can, if your operators are not financially viable, diba? they mm. won't be able to afford any new uh, equipment, even if uh. you give them loans, diba? dahil they won't be able to pay for it. Eh. But yeah. if there's assured income dahil may kontrata ka, then it's easier for them to take that financial risk. And ah, then sige. they take on the modern uh, conveniences. Tapos yung automatic fare collection, dahil na-remove mo na yung naangkita ko is my, kung ano yung binibigay sa akin pera, then you can have the automatic fare collection and you can centralize the collection rather than okay. uh, what I take home is what's in my fare box. Okay, now, now Benji, I have a first question from our viewers right now on social media. Sila magbabayad lahat. Are we therefore saying that government ang magre-regulate nitong operations na to and actually our listener is more blunt about it asking can we trust government any government to run this public utility well ang counterfactual mo yan is does the current system work diba? and i think you will be hard pressed to find anyone who says yeah it works particularly for commuters so what we have to do first of all is set up the right institutional setup so that we can manage this. And we generalize government. You can't trust government or government fails. But there are sections of our government that we trust, right? Mm. Our hospitals, our state hospitals, our state universities have our centers of excellence. Uh, we have agencies that used to be centers of corruption, extreme mm. corruption, pero na turn around natin yon. So, importante mm. then is in that period where we're transitioning out, we set up the right institutional framework that uh, we manage the system. And you need to separate kasi yung value chain. Eh, no? You have the system owner, which is government nationally or regionally, right? The system manager that can be an agency, right? Whose task is to manage the contracts and manage route planning. And then the operators. You separate, kasi ngayon ang setup natin, yung operator, siya na rin yung planner and siya na rin yung service manager. Mm. Tapos ang management lang ng gobyerno is, do I give you a permit and I manage traffic? Right, which is the wrong way to manage it. So mm. uh, I get the doubt from that uh, that questioner. Pero ang, ang counterfactual is, ano, ganito na lang tayo palagi.
So you're proceeding from the other end of this. Uh, let me bring in Ms. Arabel Petilia of the Land Transportation Office. Ma'am, welcome po. Yes, sir. Actually, sir, may kasama po ako si Engineer Seth. Okay. Okay. So anyway, the same question to uh, Attorney Tamayo. And basically, here, Benji is proposing that, that we shift the business model uh, to service contracting. As Attorney Tamayo has said, this is not a new concept. Uh, and in a way, in a scaled-down version, we already see this in the mga point-to-point, mga shuttle services, yes. and so on. But from the perspective po of LTO, ano po yung mga balakin? Actually, sir, ang amin naman kasi, kung kay mapaservice contract, parang support lang kasi po ang LTO. Kung ano po yung mapagkayarian na mas maganda na para maano yung nakakarami, doon po kami. Wala uh, naman problema sa LTO. Attorney Tamayo, how would you expect, and this is a question to Benji as well, your constituents at LTFRB, mga operators, mga drivers, uh, and so on, how would you expect them to respond or welcome or react violently to the proposal of a blanket service contracting to dominate our public transport system? Yung iba po dyan, namana pa yung, yung negosyo or yung pagdadrive, for example, ng shape ni sa, sa lolo, sa, da, sa tatay, ganyan. So, introducing something new in terms of how they are going to earn is really uh, medyo challenging, if I, if I would say. But I guess it's a matter of communicating with them and making it clear that, uh, sabi nga po ni Sir Benji, kailan pa tayo magle-level up if we don't start ngayon, mm. di ba? Yeah, I'm part of the Move Us One coalition. And so, kasama namin yung mga labor and transportation sector leaders. Ang narinig namin sa kanila, open naman sila to a transition. They know the system has to get better. Ang, what they're asking for is a just transition na hindi lang sila yung magkikerry ng risk, uh, particularly in COVID-19. Di ba? Parang ako yung lalabas, risk na nga yung health ko, risk pa na wala pa akong kita. So, kailangan sumagot ang gobyerno. Right? And it's the same thing when we move to service contracting. We have to spread the risk so that these companies and these operators will flourish and we can provide good jobs and good uh, salaries and benefits to the drivers and the personnel. Nagulantang na lang ang pulisya kaninang umaga na ispataan na may grupong nasa gitna ng avenida. Nang sipatin, mga jeepney driver pala na nanghihingi na ng limo sa mga tao dahil di na kaya ang mahigit dalawang buwang walang kita. Hindi ko alam kung saan matatapos ang 15 days bago kami magpagbiyahe. Okay, now let me just bring in Ms. Petilia again from LTO because kag- kagabi po uh, on the Chiefs sa Signal TV, we interviewed ASEC Albert Swansing naman. And with regards to service contracting, he said, doon na naman papunta eh. If you'll note, in fact, uh, tapos na yung mga araw dapat na walang sweldo yung mga driver. No? Uh, we wanted to take away that, uh, the, the incentive nga ng punuan, eh, yung nagmamadali at gitkitan. And we felt that one way to do it was precisely, as people have said, swelduhan na kasi yung mga driver para hindi sila nagmamadali, para hindi punuan, para hindi kota. I just wanted to ask Ms. Petilia, is this in fact a direction towards service contracting? Actually, yung swelduhan na system, 
parang matagal ko na pong naririnig yan eh na dapat na i-implement. Pero palagay ko sir, it's I think it's about time kasi 'di ba merong programang LTFRB na modernization ng mga jeepneys, mga ganon. Eksakto lang po yung timing siguro ngayon. Okay. Benji, is it different when they say na okay, silduhan na? That's an improvement, di ba? Dati kasi eh, hindi silduhan. But is it still different from the whole concept of service contracting? Kulang yun. Kasi the reason that we said kailangan silduhan di, because we finally realized na yung boundary system was uh, determining driver behavior. So sabi natin, swelduhan na, require natin is ang, ang sweldo. Ang problema nun is hindi mo tinanggal yung financial risk for the operator. So, in fact, the operators negotiated na part sweldo, part may kita pa rin based on pasahero. Diba? So, nandun pa rin yung incentive, hindi mo matanggal. Plus, ano yung controls mo? Ang control mo is, pag nahuli namin kayo na hindi pala sinesweldohan o sinesweldohan nyo ng kulang yung mga drivers nyo, tatanggalin namin yung franchise nyo. Paano mo i-investigate yun? Maghihintay ka ng labor na magsasabi? Okay. I have a question from Pierre Tito Galia on our social media. He says, Why not? Service contract can be with the LGU, city and municipal councils. It can be made stricter and so on. Can we start to implement this with an experiment with certain LGUs? Uh, that's exactly what you said. Ginawa na yun by several cities, right? Cebu, I think, hmm. also did it with jeepneys. I, I think to test it out or at least to roll it out quickly, sige, LGU, uh, for at least the transition period. Ang worry hmm. natin dyan, of course, is we have to create the organizational structure so it's not subject to uh, patronage politics meron kang jurisdictional issue kung ang tinatakbo ng jeep eh uh, fair view hanggang San Andres. Sino may jurisdiction? Quezon City o Manila? San man gagaling yung kontrata? So if hmm. I had my preferences, gagawa tayo ng Metropolitan Transit Authority na dalawa lang yung responsibility niya to manage routes and manage the contracts. Tapos meron ka pang isang layer later on pag may automatic, automated fare collection, ang management niya is how the collection and distribution of fares. Okay. Now, last question lang to Atty. Tamayo. Atty. Tamayo, if we're going to experiment and essentially change the business model, uh, what will it take? Will it take a new law? Kaya na ba ito ng EO? Uh, can it be handled on the level of uh, either the LTO or LTFRB? There are existing laws naman po that can implement the service contract. However, if we're going to do this on a larger scale, meaning that would involve all routes, then perhaps it's going to change the whole scenario and the support from our lawmakers would probably be better to facilitate the implementation should we implement this on a larger scale. So, okay. ngayon, procurement law po muna sa service contract ang, ang existing natin. Okay. Attorney Zona Tamayo and Ms. Arabel Petilia representing the LTO, maraming salamat po for joining us. But Denji, I'll also bring in somebody else to help us do the, the math. Assistant Secretary Tony Lambino of the Department of Finance is joining us. As you very transparently said, this is not something that you particularly delved, dived into. But at least the things that Benji is factoring in as assumptions and as insights on the costs as well as what is costing our society. Are these reasonable assumptions to start with? And are these basic premises that our economic managers would be willing to start with as well and acknowledge? 
Well, I think the holistic picture is one that is welcome. No, Benji, you've mentioned that we have to look at the potential benefits as well, not just the costs. No, so yes, I think uh, looking at the cost-benefit ratio of this type of intervention would be very helpful. Ano ba talaga yung pakinabang sa taong bayan? Not just in terms of money saved, no, from lower fuel costs, but also the quality of life. Will people be able to spend more time with their families? Be home in time for dinner? You know, things like that. You know, all of these things should certainly be in the mix. But um, I'm just wondering, in terms of the statement that Benji made earlier. Will we really be seeing less traffic because of this intervention, or do we need to do this in combination with other things that also will cost a lot of resources? I, I'll mm. correct you, Tony. I didn't say traffic will improve. I said public transportation will improve, and that's the, the quality. Problem. Yeah, I failed to say congestion pricing is the only proven strategy to reduce traffic congestion. Only proven strategy. Nothing else works. Singapore does it. Tokyo does it through uh, high cost of owning cars. London does it. Stockholm does it. So, yun yung, if you want to solve traffic, do congestion pricing. It does interact with the quality of the public uh, transport system because you got to give people options, right? So, yeah. if they're not going to use their car, how do they get to work or how do the kids get to school and all of that? So, yeah, it really, it really does have to be seen from a holistic sense. Right. right. Okay. Uh, Enrique Peñalosa uh, is often been quoted to say, a rich country is not where the poor own cars. It's where the rich use public transportation. Benji's point about uh, trying to solve traffic for 50 years—that uh, is also because we have been underinvesting quite a bit in infrastructure. Before last year, when we went above five percent of GDP in in infrastructure uh, expenditure, the average—and you you gave the exact right time uh, period, Benji. You know, uh, the past 50 years before last year, the average was around 2.8 percent of GDP. So there has been massive underinvestment. Uh, in the infrastructure uh, of the country. Okay. Maraming salamat. Assistant Secretary Tony Lambino, the Department of Finance. Okay, Benji, while we're calling our final two guests, let me throw in a question from Paolo Hirona Seriola. He says, hey, obviously, we're talking about friction on the side of government, on the side of our policymakers, on the part of stakeholders. But is there any reason for the user side, for the commuter side to be ambivalent about this? For the passengers to be ambivalent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think our, our commuters are exhausted, right? They've mm. been neglected and exhausted. Every time we have an intervention, whether it's infrastructural or management, it's all about traffic, but they never consider the comfort and the ease of our commuters. In fact, if you look at the way we have painted our vehicles, diba? if uh. you look at a bus or even a jeep, ang requirement natin, malaking karatula yung plate number nila. That has nothing to do with the comfort of the passenger. That just has everything to do with traffic management. Now, let me quickly bring in Julia Nebrija. As you know, Julia is one of the, our advocates for mobility in Metro Manila. And also, JC Punong Bayan. He has the Usapang Econ Group and also a podcast in collaboration with Puma Podcast. JC, in terms of the cost, we were talking about it with Asik Lambino. How do you, as an economist, look at Uh, the cost that will be involved in making this shift, the cost and the benefits. I listened to the podcast and sabi mo, Benji, that you estimated the cost to uh, be around $355 million per day and $32 billion per month. And I think you based it on the average income of the uh, of the ordinary uh, the All driver. Of the yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, pero I was just wondering kung in the future, if this uh, proposal pushes through, what government agency should be setting this uh, income or at least putting it out or determining it? And uh, if we scale it up nationally, how much more will it cost compared to the benchmark estimate? Mo? So we have to split hairs, no? So the second part, setting it up nationally means you have to set it up in urbanized areas. This may not make sense in the rural hinterlands, right, of contracting. So particularly for urbanized areas where you have a real requirement for mobility, that's what we need to study. Again, if I had my brothers, we need to create a new agency. Um, what we're lacking in terms of pricing and figuring out this pricing, right? what if we do this transitional period of 90, 60 to 90 days, na naka-service contract, anyone as a franchise, tapos may requirement tayo for data, right? Then we can find out how many trips ba talaga per day without the congestion if it's scheduled. So ano yung cost nun in terms of operations, in terms of gas? Now you can get to the actual cost of the operations. And then ano yung kailangan kita ng operator so that the driver is paid uh, just wages, di ba? So yung, yung uh, proposal ko is we take that moment, this COVID moment, precisely to understand the system better and split the hairs across our highly urbanized areas. Kasi iba yung cost in... Cebu, iba yung cost in Davao, iba yung cost in Metro Manila. And the agency, these regional agencies, MTAs, can then really fine-tune that by understanding the cost of every route and every ride. Okay. Julia, you're not only a private advocate for mobility and public transport and biking, for that matter. You were also with the MMDA for quite a while. I'm really interested in the idea that we can pilot something for, for 90 days. I think this is something that would be new for government and would be a very welcome different approach, especially in a time of transition of trying innovative things. We need to be open to saying, yes, let's, let's do something different. And so my, my question to, to Benji would be, what does success look like? If we get to those 90 days, how do we know that it's worked and that we would want to continue some aspects and maybe adjust others? Right. Number one is, does it work for the commuters? Are they happier with it? Uh, do they spend less time waiting and figuring out paano ba pupunta sa trabaho or to school, right? If that works because we are paying for services, then win number one. Second, are the operators and drivers comfortable with it, right? Uh, oh, let me back up. Win number one is transportation does not become a vector for the second or third wave or whichever wave we are talking about of covid Because if that comes, that, that's way more economic cost than we can handle and defeat our recovery. So that's number one. Experience of the passengers, acceptance of the operators, and then fine-tuning a service contract so that we can put in place both what the sector costs, just transition, and the kinds of management, institutional management and organizational management and transparency we need to run this well into the future. Uh, fourth, and this is really critical, which we haven't talked about is, Where are we going to get the money? In Seattle, we have a tax, a sales tax and a property tax that raises $50 million a year that allows us to buy more bus service from our transit agency. That's why Seattle is one of the few, I think three, North American cities where bus use has actually increased and transportation has higher acceptance and has improved. So we have to find out where do we get that money so that we can pay for public transportation, which goes back to my first point ever, No city in the world does public transportation simply earn money. Good public transportation simply earn money from the fares that passengers give. JC, would you have a ready answer to that or at least a ready idea on where to explore how to raise funds for this? 
there are a number of options. Number one is to raise more taxes. I know thing that, uh, for, for example, there's the road users tax already and a bunch of other taxes like excise taxes on petroleum products that could be the potential source. So it really depends dun sa how large the uh, expected cost will be and the revenue stream uh, that government will be able to secure. Uh, maganda yung point ni uh, Asik Lambino kanina na right now, the deficit is really really blowing up. So uh, this program will really be competing with a bunch of other important uh, programs. So I guess I wanted to ask Ben as well, kung yung uh, proposal nito, how does this compare with other proposals in the transport sector? Uh, what I wanted to tell Secretary Lumbino was, competitiveness is not just about our tax levels, right? Because we could have the lowest taxes in the world, but if our workers are exhausted and there's a high cost of business, not from the taxes, but because of the cost of transportation in doing business, then we're not competitive, right? Mm-hmm. So public transportation is one of the key things to com- being competitive. Good infrastructure, and can I just say a subway is not enough because in the cities with the most developed rail transport systems, with the exception of Tokyo, bus carries more. Uh, here's the fundamental problem we've had about our transportation investments. We make it hoping it will solve traffic. It doesn't solve traffic. It's not meant to solve traffic. And we put yeah. the stations because we think it'll solve traffic rather than putting the needs of the commuter first and designing the system so it serves the commuter. Benji, I wanted to prompt you with this question from Ian De Manuel. With oil prices volatility, how can driver compensation and operator income be secured? Also, are fares fixed? And then since driver compensation is now also fixed. The second question, I think you're saying, actually, walang fair. Diba? Actually, libre na tos. Yeah. And let me qualify that. Wala na for the transition period. Okay. Diba? Because you can't keep it free forever. There's only two cities in the world in one country that have started experimenting free. We can get there maybe when we lock down our resource. As to oil price volatility, yan yung one of the, con- the problems we have now. Ang, ang nirollout ng DOTR is fuel subsidies. Now, a related question there, you mentioned e-vehicles and, and so on. This question comes from Red Constantino of the ICSC. Red, of course, comes from the, the group that launched the first EGP fleet in the Philippines in 2007. But he says, some have said BRT systems are awful because they penalize the marginalized even further, the informal sector, it's anti-poor, and so on and so forth. This goes to our question, Later on, no, it, it seems as as Red acknowledged, it seems a surprising uh, question and as a surprising observation. But there is pushback even from from proponents of the people, for proponents of the pool. Can you speak to that? Is that is that a real well, phenomenon? It is. It, it depends on the city, no. It's particularly, uh, bus rapid transit is a particular form or system. Ang ginagawa mo basically you're turning the bus, making it behave like a train. And we need that. The way you do that is so you don't have to spend for subways. That's why it got started in Brazil uh, and then moved to Mexico City and, and Bogota. Diba? Ganun yun, yun. Cheaper infrastructure. It's true there are challenges, right? But there are solutions to it too. Okay. Now, Josa Quinones asks, uh, will the subsidy go to the drivers or to the operators? If it goes to the latter, the operators, how can the proposed measure ensure that the drivers are paid the same amount? Service contracts are per kilometer, usually. How many kilometers do you serve? How many trips? Now, for the transition period, that's where we learn how to do things. Uh, that You're pointing at a very uh, sticky issue we need to figure out. Right? 
uh, dapat may bayad to the operator for the use of the jeep. Eh, kung dalawang jeepney drivers, they switch in the middle of the day. Then iba yung bayad to one jeepney driver, iba yung bayad to another jeepney driver. We need to figure out those logistics. But we need to do that because the primary concern nga is you have to remove the temptation of overloading, keeping social distancing within the vehicles, and not putting the operators and the drivers in a lose-lose situation. And that's all for our first Better Normal Q&A. If you haven't yet, please listen to episode 1 where we interviewed Benji de la Peña about fixing the bus and jeep system for Metro Manila. If you have an idea for a Better Normal, message us at PumaPodcastPH on Facebook. We'd love to have that conversation. Thank you to our partner, Asia Society Philippines, and our guests, Benji de la Peña, Attorney Zona Tamayo of the LTFRB, Arabel Petilia of the LTO, ASEC Tony Lambino of the DOF, JC Punong Bayan, and Julia Nebria. This Q&A was hosted by Robbie Alampay, produced by me, Kat Ventura, and edited by Nico Bolante. Follow A Better Normal and Puma Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Maraming salamat po. Babalik ang 5 minutes lang with Season 2. Mas exciting, mas nakakakilig, at mas inspiring. Hi everyone, this is Bianca Gonzalez. Hi everyone, I'm Joelle. Hello, I'm Francisca Batuando. At marami pang iba. Let's talk about dating, growing your career, and everything in between. 5 minutes lang, where we learn how to navigate life from people who've cracked the code. Available soon on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or kung saan ka man podcast.